So this summer, it'll be 10 years since my wife and I, our oldest son was born at the time, since we moved from Mississippi. Now, miss, some of you have an idea of Mississippi in your head. It's kind of a punchline, and I kind of had that idea too. I'm originally from Northeast Ohio, and then I moved down to Mississippi. And what I encountered were some of the nicest, kindest people that you would ever encounter in your entire life. People who were so great. They would do anything and everything they can for you. They'd give you the shirt off their back. They, they were hospitable. They'd have you over. They were just fantastic people until there was a snowstorm. And then it became everyone for themselves. And I remember when I was in Mississippi, there was breaking news one night. In three days, there's going to be a, a snowfall. And people started panicking. They were projecting an inch of snow. I'm not kidding. An inch of snow, and this was news, three days out. They canceled school the, the day that it was supposed to snow. Before there was any snow, they canceled school. And I kept waiting. I moved from northeast Ohio. An inch of snow was nothing. I'm used to snow. That's not a problem at all. I kept waiting, didn't think anything of it. Businesses started closing. The church that I worked at at the time, we were closed for the day. People were panicking. And then I looked at our refrigerator, and I'm like, I better go to the store and, and grab some food if everything's going to be closed. And so I drove to the grocery store as this giant snowfall of one inch was predicted for the next day. And I walked into the store and I had a taste of what the pandemic was like before the pandemic. If you go back a couple years, you remember you go to the cereal aisle or the soup aisle, the toilet paper aisle for whatever reason, and there was nothing. There was nothing at all. Well, that's what I experienced only to a greater degree. When I walked into that grocery store, every shelf was completely empty. I'm not just talking about the milk and the bread and the water. Every sh I, thought, I thought the store was going out of business when I walked in. And I looked around, and there was nothing to be had. And so I went home, and I'm like, well, we're just going to survive on Cheez-Its and Coke, apparently. Uh, we'll, we'll get through. I, I went home the next day. There was snowfall that night. Everything was closed down. But it's Mississippi. And so the sun came up the next day, and by 11.30, the inch of snow that they got was completely melted. But everything was still closed until I drove around and I found one Mexican restaurant that was open. And we were the only people out on the roads, even though all the snow had already been melted because they're not used to it. They're not prepared for it. And so when there's snow, they don't have salt and they don't have plows. If there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of ice or things on, on the streets, they'll put down sand just because they're not prepared. The road crews aren't prepared for the, the inclement weather. And so the response of the people is to go to the grocery store, rate it of everything, and then be prepared in your house by yourself and just wait until the sun comes up and melts all the snow. Now, being prepared is a good thing in life, and we understand that. Being prepared is a good thing in life. It's something that we're taught early on. It's something that they try to teach us in schools, that preparation is important. Our parents try to instill that within us. It's a good idea to be prepared. And oftentimes, as we progress in life, we realize on a greater level the value of preparation. It's good to have a plan. It's good to be prepared. Because sometimes, in the same way that you see the snow that's forecast from days out coming, sometimes in life we can see the danger and the challenges on the horizon. And when we have a plan in place, when we are prepared, it enables us to better, to better endure those challenges and those troubles when they come. But sometimes in life, 
challenges and trials, they come and they just blindside us and they hit us out of nowhere. And those are the times all the more that it's important that we're prepared so that we don't absolutely crumble. This is true in a physical sense in our world, and it's also true in a spiritual sense. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next couple weeks as we look at the close to the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is a book written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus. That's, that was a city, Ephesus, and that's where we get the name Ephesians. And we're not going to look at the whole book of Ephesians over the course of the next few weeks, but what we're going to be looking at is the ending of the book of Ephesians as we look at the importance of being prepared. Now, if you grew up in the church, if you went to Sunday school and you had the flannel graph and, and they had all the pictures that they would put up there. I guarantee you've heard a Sunday school lesson about this because what we're going to be looking at over the course of the next couple weeks is called the armor of God and it's all about the importance of us being prepared in a spiritual sense for what we're going to encounter in our lives. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Lakeside Community Church. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here, and we exist to serve you. So thank you so much for being here. If you have your phones or your tablets, we'd invite you to follow along with us there. There's a great app that you can find in the app store that you utilize called the Bible app. Once you've downloaded and installed the Bible app on your phone or your tablet, there's a feature within the Bible app called events, and there you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201 and their lakeside community church will pop up you can follow along with us that way it's a great resource if you have a traditional bible with you we're going to be in the new testament book of ephesians ephesians chapter 6 we're going to start in verse 10 today and if you're joining us via the stream hi from florida georgia or wherever you went because you're scared of the weather we're still glad that you're joining us thank you so much but the verses will be available on the screen below as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 this morning, where we read these words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So as the Apostle Paul is closing out his letter to the church in Ephesus here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he's getting to the, to the, fine, the, to the conclusion, the final point that he wants to make in his writing. And he says this, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. The first thing that we have to see is we've got to be strong. Now, something, something interesting has happened in our society, and there's, there's been this move to kind of villainize strength. That strength is kind of, it's, it's kind of been villainized, like it's not something that's, that should be strived after. And here we're told, no, we have to be strong. Now, sometimes that's because some people's view of strength is, is sort of this toxic masculinity, that, you know, everything about it, and that's not real strength at all. And, and another view of strength has been this, this uber vulnerability where we have to cry and weep about everything and how difficult our circumstances are all the time. And, and that's not strength either. But because there's kind of these extremes of strength, we just kind of villainize this idea of strength. And, and no, what, what the Apostle Paul is telling us is, no, we, we need to be strong. Strength is valuable. And if, if you step back and you think about it, all of us would admit this. I, I mean, when, last time my wife and I moved, we hired movers, and it's one of the greatest things we've ever done for our relationship. But go back to a time about 10 years ago, 
I would help friends move all the time on weekends. We were moving in and out of apartments, getting the first house. I was at that stage in my life. I was helping friends move constantly, which is always just a wonderful weekend. Because you always see people at their worst. They're stressed, and, and they've got tight windows, and they're fighting, and they're arguing. And most relationships, there's a planner, and there's somebody that just kind of throws it all together. So the planner's super annoyed, and the person just kind of throws it all together. It's like, what's their deal, right? And, and then you're just kind of stuck in the middle as the friend, and you're like, I don't want to get involved in your drama. I just came for the pizza and to be a good friend. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? But hopefully you have friends who are stronger than me if you're going to invite people to help you move. And that's what I was always counting on. I will help people move, but I'm, let's be honest, I'm never going to be the strongest guy that shows up to help a crew move. And if I am, we're in trouble. And then there was a week where I was the strongest guy that showed up to help them move, and I just knew we were in trouble because there was a giant old dresser. And, and I just tell you that so you know it, it was quality. It was built really, if furniture's old, it generally means it's very well produced, which meant it was really heavy. So there were six of us on this dresser, and we're all like grunting just to get it up. And we've got it off the floor of the truck, but we are walking with this, and I, I'm walking backwards, and it's kind of one of those situations where you're moving a piece of furniture, and you're looking around, because you're trying to find the people that have their hands on the piece of furniture, but aren't really lifting, and we all know who those people are, and you're looking around trying to figure out, all right, who just has their hand on this piece of furniture, but isn't actually doing any of the lifting, and then somebody finally called out, hey, is everybody actually lifting? And what I realized was all six of us were wondering who the person was that just had their hands on this but wasn't really lifting. But we were all really lifting. Just again, I was the strongest friend there. So we were all just really weak. It was not going to happen. And so we moved it a little bit and we just put it down. And my friend had to make some more phone calls to get two other people who were way stronger than us out there. And it took eight of us. It took eight of us to move this dresser. And of course, it was a two-story house. So you got to take it up there. Now, when he called the two people who were a lot stronger than the other six of us, that was great. Because there's value in strength. There's value in strength. And the reality is this, most of us have talents and abilities and gifts that get us by in life. Most of us are pretty capable people, and that's a good thing. The downside of that is when we start to rely on ourselves. The downside of that is when we start to put all of our attention and all of our focus in our own abilities. And because most of us are gifted, and because most of us are talented, and because most of us can function through life, what happens is we just start to think to ourselves, I got this. I can handle this. And there's a lot of circumstances, and there's a lot of situations that we can handle. But what I've found in my life is every single time, every single time I pause and I invite God into the circumstance, and I invite God into the situation of my life. Every single time, it goes better than when I don't. 
And that's not because God can only work if I invite him into a situation or a circumstance. God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. But there is something that happens when we declare our own dependency. When we recognize, God, you've given me a lot of talents and you've given me a lot of abilities and you've done a lot of really cool things in my life, but I need you. I need you here. And what's fascinating to me is that as Paul tells the church in Ephesus, be strong, he clarifies and he qualifies it with you. Find your strength in the Lord's might. The beauty of this is you don't have to be strong in and of yourself. It's not relying upon you. The source of your strength shouldn't be yourself. The source of your strength is always meant to be God's might. And the first step that we have to recognize is that we have been called to be strong, but we've got to declare our dependency. But it isn't up to us. And it can't be all about what I can accomplish and what I can achieve in and of myself. That each and every one of us has a point where we can't go any further. We have a breaking point. And we need to find our strength. And the fastest path to finding our strength is through declarations of dependency. Where we declare, God, I need you. I need you in this circumstance. I need you in this situation. I need you in this area of my life. And we invite God into the areas of our lives. He continues in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, when I got dressed this morning, I didn't put on a bulletproof vest. It's not a general part of my getting ready in the mornings. I don't worry about people shooting me. Maybe I should. I don't know. But I generally don't worry about people shooting me. I have a couple friends who are police officers. When they get ready for their shift, they put on a vest. I have a couple friends who serve in the military. And when they're stationed overseas and they're getting ready, they put on a uniform. Under that uniform, they have on armor. They put on vests. Why? Because there's a high probability, a much higher probability, that people in those environments are going to encounter a situation than I'm going to encounter a situation. Now, it could happen, but the likelihood and the probability isn't as high. What happens is because so much of what goes on in our lives is in the unseen realm, that God has created us with a physical nature, that is our bodies, but also an, immat an immaterial nature, that is our, our souls and our spirits. And so much of what goes on in our existence is outside of what we can see. It's outside of our bodies, and it's in the unseen realm. But because it's in the unseen realm, it's something that we don't really think about all that often. And what happens is we let our guard down. Because the battle goes on in an unseen realm, because we're engaged in a battle that's happening in the unseen realm, we don't think we're even involved in a fight. But what we're told here is to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We're in a fight. Whether you recognize it or not, we're in a fight. 
And if you're in a fight, you better determine how you're going to win. And the great thing is, we don't have to determine that ourselves. He's just told us how. Now, I've seen a number of, of UFC bouts. I, I love watching the UFC. I know some of you are like, that's so barbaric. That's cool. Don't watch it. I, I, love, I just love, love to watch some UFC fights. I've seen a lot of local bar fights. You know, a person has a, a drink too many or 10 too many, and they decide they want to start some trouble with somebody. I've seen schoolyard fights. People are mad that somebody's on a swing too long, or they got mad during a, a game at recess, and they just decide, we're going to fight this out on the schoolyard. I've seen all kinds of fights in my life, and I am yet to see the fight that starts out with people saying, you know what I want to do in this fight? I just want to stand here. Generally, if you enter a fight and you say, I'm just going to stand here, you're going to be knocked out. The fight's going to be over, and it's not going to be very much fun for the rest of us to watch. Where, let's be honest, most fights are a little fun to watch. Now, But just standing here, that's generally not a winning strategy. But what we're told here is in the supernatural realm, victory is found when we stand. What? That we don't have to defeat the devil. The devil's already been defeated. When Christ was crucified and he rose again three days later, he dealt Satan the death blow. And if you've read the end of the book, you realize the war has already been won. The outcome has already been determined. At 12 o'clock today, the Cleveland Browns will play a football game. It doesn't matter because we're already eliminated. Because this is our story almost every year. We play football games and we lose more than we win. This is the life of a Browns fan. We're all bitter. We, it's just we sign up for it. We know it's going to happen. It just it happens every year. And today at 12 o'clock, the Browns will play a game that has no implications whatsoever for the Cleveland Browns. Now, the players will still play because some of them are playing for contracts. Some of them are playing for stats and incentives. But in terms of the team, the outcome doesn't matter because it's already been decided. They're not going to the playoffs. You contrast that with tonight at 7.20. And tonight at 7.20, there's something on the line when the Packers and the Lions play. I mean, tonight is a chance to go to the playoffs and lose next week because it's really not your year. I'm sorry. It's just not. But tonight, there's something on the line to, for this game. It really matters. The outcome of it really matters. It has postseason implications. It really matters the outcome of the game recognize in the spiritual battle that we're in the outcome has already been determined god isn't dependent upon us to like beat the devil what our responsibility is that when the schemes of the devil come against us and they do is that we stand because the devil's going to come and try, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's going to come and he's going to try to discourage you. He can't defeat you, but he's going to do his best to discourage you. He's going to do his best to demoralize you. He's going to come and he's going to tempt you. He's going to come and he's going to try to find those areas of your life where you're not satisfied. And Satan's a great salesman. So he's going to come and he's going to promise you satisfaction. He's going to promise you fulfillment. He's going to promise you joy. He's going to promise you that all those things that you want that you don't have will be discovered. 
if you'll only stray a little bit from God's plan, that you know what God's plan is for your life, but this is the path to greater fulfillment. And he's a great salesman because we all buy it and we all chase after it. And every single time we do, the product never satisfies. And yet he just sells us more and he sells us more and he sells us more. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to understand that you are engaged in a battle. And victory for you is that you're able to stand. That you find your satisfaction and you find your joy in who God is and what he's offered you. That you don't chase after the things that you know are wrong. And you don't chase after the things that God has told you. Don't do this. Because even though the promises they will satisfy, and even though the promises they will fulfill, they'll leave you empty every single time. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So right now, I just want to ask you this question. I don't want you to answer out loud, but in the quietness of your heart, as you're, as you're processing through things, and as you're thinking through things, I want to ask you this question. Is what are you fighting against? What are you fighting against? What's keeping you up at night? What is that tension point? in your relationship, or maybe it's, it's relational tension. But what are you fighting against? Those anxieties, those, those anxious moments and thoughts, the relationship that's just frayed, and it's not all that it should be, the situation where you're just banging your head against the wall because you can't figure it out and you can't fathom why things are the way that they are. What are you fighting against? And now I want you to hold on to that for just a minute. And I want to zoom out a little bit now. I want to zoom out from just how intense that, that feeling is and whatever that circumstance or situation or relationship is. And I want to zoom out a little bit. And I want, to, I want you to look at it from a different level as I reread this verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, our battles are not just what we see. And so often we think through those points of anxiety. We think through those things that we just can't figure out. We think through the relational tension. We think through the broken relationships. And we think through, if you would just fix this and this, if I could just do this, if I could just get a different boss, if I could just tell my boss he's a moron, if I could just do these things, then everything's going to be great. What we're just told is all of these things are symptomatic. There's a greater cause. And the greater cause is that there's a spiritual battle. Now, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize everything. 
Sometimes things just happen. But sometimes we walk through life and we see all those annoyances. We see all those points of of anger, of anguish, of anxiety. We see all those relational things and we think, I can just fix this if just this would change. And we discount the idea that there's something bigger at play and what we're told here. That there's more to this than we ever understand. It's like the old the old picture of the iceberg. If you've ever ever seen that, just about ten percent of the iceberg can actually be seen, but ninety percent of the iceberg is underwater. And when we walk through life, about ten percent of our problems can be seen and they can be understood. But there's this whole part that we don't see. And so because we don't see it, we don't think about it all the time. But it's the spiritual aspect that's at play. And if we only attack and if we only go after the part that we can see and we do nothing about the part that we can't see, we do nothing about the spiritual realm and the spiritual things going on, then we're never going to actually fix and solve all of our problems problems. Your battles are supernatural. Your battles are spiritual. Yes, they're physical as well, but there's oftentimes a root cause that is greater than what you see. And if that's true, and we're told it's true here, that means that supernatural spiritual battles call for supernatural spiritual tactics. That we can't just go after every problem trying to fix something or someone if we don't take the wholeness of the problem or the wholeness of the individual into account. And this is why it's so important that for those of us who love and follow Jesus... That we look at our problems, we look at the sources of frustration in our lives, we look at those broken relations, we look at all of those things, and we recognize the totality of the situation, the totality of the circumstance. And we don't just minimize it to that which we can see. But spiritual supernatural problems call for spiritual supernatural answers. And this is why It's so important that we recognize that we're engaged in a battle. You cannot win a battle that you don't recognize you're in. But we are engaged in a battle. And how we win a battle, it's not by knocking someone out, but being willing to stand. To resist the sails of Satan. To follow after God. To not be moved. To not be shaken. To not chase every desire that we have when we know it goes contrary to God's plan for our lives. And think that we will find satisfaction there. That we would be unmovable. We would be unshakable. And we would stand firm. And the way that we can stand firm is if we recognize we're in a battle and we're prepared for the battle. That we put on the armor of God and we're going to look at the individual instruments in the weeks to come. 
But it starts there and with the call for each and every one of us to be strong. Not in what we individually can accomplish, not in what we individually can achieve, but that we find the source of our strength in God's might. We recognize this battle and these circumstances are bigger than us. And so we don't have to rely on our own abilities. So what do we do with this as people that love and, and follow Jesus? How do, we, how do we put this in practice in our life? Well, first is this, to recognize, to recognize that we need God in our lives, that we need God in every area of our lives, to have those declarations of dependency. And one of the best ways to do that is through prayer. One of the best ways to do that is through prayer. And so I would just encourage you, in those places that you know, and they're different for all of us, but that we all have, in those places that are just not going well in your life, invite God. If you haven't already, invite God into those specific areas of your life. Invite God to come into work in those specific areas and avenues of your life. And make it a point to remember to invite God into those areas. And so the second step is this, to remember you're in a battle. You don't see it, so you don't think about it all the time, but we're in a battle. And it's a spiritual, supernatural battle. And Satan's a great salesman, so we need to be prepared. This is why we encourage you all the time to connect with the heart of God through Scripture. If, if you're not currently doing that, I can't challenge you enough. This will change your life. Make it part of your life. And if you don't know where to start, we talked earlier about downloading the Bible app. It's a free resource. You can send verses to your phone through push notifications. It'll literally send the verse to your phone, so you're kind of forced to look at it. I mean, not, I guess, forced to read it, but you're forced at least to look at it. One verse a day. Start there. If you don't know, if you don't know where to start, start with a verse a day. Have it sent to you. And then from there, go to reading a paragraph or a couple verses a day. From there, a chapter. If, if you're like, hey, I, I'd love to do that, Brian. It sounds like a good idea, but I don't know where to start. Come talk to me. I'll be available in the lobby after the services. Love to talk with you about that. You're in a fight. And the good news is the outcome's already been determined. But the bad news is Sometimes wars are won, and battles are still lost. And when the battles are lost, it can discourage you, and it can destroy aspects of your life. And every time that happens, there's pain involved. And God doesn't want you to experience that pain. Stand strong. Put on the armor and be strong, but not in your own strength, in the strength of his might. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us be people who are strong. And I pray, God, right now, in the quietness of this moment, in the quietness of our hearts, all those areas, God, that we have that are different for each of us, but they're present in all of our lives. 
I pray that we would invite you in right now to those areas. Into those situations and those circumstances. God, I ask that you would work in each of these. And I pray, God, that we would follow what you call us to do. God, that we would be reminded that there is a very real battle that's being waged. And though it can't be seen, its stakes are high. So help us. Help us, God. Help us stand. As the enemy comes and he promises more satisfaction than following you could ever provide, I just pray, God, that we would reject that claim. We would lean into your truth. We would honor you with our lives, with the words that we speak, and with our conduct. Work in us and through us for your glory, Jesus, we ask in your name. Amen.